0: Tax collectors and sinners gather in closely to listen to Jesus. Tax collectors and sinners, they are lost folks, everyone, and they are to blame for their lostness. You know, farmers say that sheep get lost today the same way they got lost back then, one nibble at a time. The flock moves along a verdant hillside, every head down as they eat, most of them conscious of the presence of others. But occasionally a sheep is so into the meal, so blissfully unaware of surroundings that she moves two inches at a time, enjoying the taste of the grass the way it lingers, the pungent aroma of colorful blossoms mixed in, the increasing satisfaction of a full stomach, two inches at a time, nibbling as she goes. And then the sheep looks up, still chewing, and as far as she can see in any direction, empty hillsides. And the wind picks up, and there's a chill in the air, and the wolves howl in the distance. It's the sheep's fault, you know. Sheep have a propensity to wander, so we've heard, but it's no excuse. She's too concerned with eating. She's too lost in her blissful thoughts. She wasn't fully present She's too disconnected from what's going on around her and now she is well and good lost and it's all her fault. The tax collector is a thief, pure and simple. Perhaps he started off with good intentions, you know. It's a job after all and he has to feed his family and it didn't take long when he first got into the work that he realized he could make so much more than the minimum wage that the Romans were offering. Rome just wanted its money, its tax. Caesar didn't care if the tax collectors asked for more on the side, a little cushion for themselves. In fact, Caesar kind of expected it. And he has a family, and he has bills, and so he charges twice the Roman tax, takes the other half for himself, stealing from his own people, his own occupied people, occupied by those same Romans. He's in cahoots with Rome, with the oppressor state, against his own kin. He's a thief on a good day. Most Jews would call him a traitor as well. And it's all his doing. All his fault. It happened one nibble at a time. And now that tax collector is out there cold and lonely on the hillside, the wolves howling in the distance, and he has no one to blame but himself. And a sinner, of course, means, meant then what it means now. A sinner is someone who has wandered far from the will of God, who has engaged in behaviors that are destructive to others and to the self and to community, and now they also find themselves lost on a, whole, a lonely hillside of rejection, far from home, forever labeled sinner, and they did it by their own actions. It's a terrible thing to be lost. More terrible still to know that your lostness is your own doing. You heard the actress Felicity Huffman this past week pleading guilty to paying someone to correct her daughter's SAT answers in the hope that she would get into her preferred colleges. Felicity Huffman was sentenced to 14 days in prison. And before she went in, she apologized to her daughter. I can only say I'm so sorry, Sophia. I was frightened and stupid, she said. I now see all the things I knew was wrong. I realize now that love and truth must go hand in hand. I take full responsibility for my actions. And they were her actions. She is at fault. It happens a nibble at a time. You know what that's like, right? Nibbling along, focused on yourself, on your own stomach, your own bank account, your bills, your job, your family, blissfully unaware of the presence of others. Maybe you cut a corner here or there. Maybe you forget a promise or neglect a relationship or ignore a covenant. And then you wake up one morning And there's a chill in the air and you're all alone with your thoughts and the wolves are at the door. And there's no one to blame, really, no one, but you. Tax collectors and sinners are coming close. And the Pharisees and scribes are wondering why in the world Jesus would consort with such a crowd as that. They are at fault, after all. This fellow, they say, this fellow, and by naming him in that way, they identify him as an other, and an oddity. This fellow welcomes tax collectors and sinners and worst of all, eats with them. So Jesus asks them, suppose you had a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off and is lost. Wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go and find the lost sheep? It's, there's a simple answer to that question. No. No shepherd worth anything is going to leave ninety-nine sheep in the wilderness, as Luke puts it with the possibility of losing even more of them and go after the one who is lost by his own faults. But Jesus invites them to imagine a different kind of shepherd, a reckless, searching, finding shepherd who walks and climbs and calls out up and down the hills risking wolves around every corner until he sees his lost little lamb shivering in the cold, eyes filled with fear. The shepherd scoops the lost one up, places him over his shoulders, takes him not back to the herd. Did you hear that? Not back to the herd, but to his own home, rejoicing, calling together friends and neighbors and throwing a party, for he has found the sheep That was lost. Now, Luke doesn't tell us how the scribes and Pharisees reacted to this parable, but I suspect they are offended by it. Offended at the suggestion that that lost little sheep who wandered away, folks like tax collectors and sinners, thieves and prostitutes, should be welcomed home and allowed to draw near. I suspect this is their reaction because of what Jesus says next. The scene shifts from the hillside to the hearth, and instead of a shepherd, we're asked to imagine a housewife, a woman with ten coins, and one of them is lost. That's not the coin's fault that it's lost. It was minding its own business, that coin, perhaps in a little case by the hearth and the woman inadvertently knocked it off, maybe. Or maybe a child was playing nearby and threw something in the room and it hit the box and caused one of the coins to roll under the table. Maybe thieves have come in and and stolen the coin. Who knows how it was lost? Who knows how these things happen sometimes? But lost it is through no fault of its own. It's kind of silly, really, to speak of a coin in this way. The coin is not aware of its lostness. It didn't roll off the counter of its own volition and out into a field for freedom. It's not worried about wolves. It's, It's not nibbling along. The coin has no idea it's lost, no idea at all. But it is, just as surely as the sheep on the hillside. It is lost. But the woman knows. She intends to find that coin... Jesus says, imagine her tearing up the house late at night and lighting a lamp and sweeping and sweeping until she finds the coin and then late at night again calling her neighbors to come on over to her house for a late night party, a feast of rejoicing for her lost coin. What woman, Jesus says, would do such a thing? And the answer is easy. No one would do such a thing. She would wait until morning, not burn expensive oil in a lamp late at night, and she would safely tuck that lost little coin back into its spot when she finds it, not spend it extravagantly on a party that costs more than the coin is worth. And now the tales are told, and Jesus looks out over his audience. He sees the sinners and the tax collectors who've drawn near, Little lost sheep whose actions have carried them far from home. He sees them gathering in close to hear him. And he opens his arms and says, There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. There is joy in heaven. That is such good news for them. God is bringing you home draped over God's own shoulders. And he looks at the scribes and the Pharisees, just as lost as the sinner and the tax collectors, but they have no idea. They fancy themselves the keepers of righteousness, but like a coin inadvertently knocked off the counter, they too are so very lost. But they sit there, oblivious to their lostness, thinking they are shining for all the world to see in gold and silver, not knowing the true state of things, their souls far from home. But God is searching for them as well, sweeping the house, lighting the lamp, searching, longing to bring them home. The 99 sheep in this story are foil. The nine coins matter not. Notice the shepherd doesn't return to the ninety-nine sheep. He just goes home rejoicing over the one as if the one is all there is. And the woman who finds the coin, she calls together friends and neighbors and celebrates as if that coin was the only coin she ever had. And there's another parable, you know, in chapter 15 about a son lost in a far country like a little sheep and another son, his brother, just as lost inside the house like a coin rolled under the couch and a searching father who never stops looking, never stops loving till all the lost are home, all come to the party rejoicing. There is no 99. There are no 9. There's only this basic truth. We are all of us lost. And God is in the business of finding. That's why sinners and tax collectors come searching out this fellow. Because he offered them a place at the table, literally, He ate with them, which then and now was the ultimate sign of belonging, of welcome, of home. It's not too far a stretch to imagine the middle school cafeteria as a metaphor for the kingdom of God. At least the middle school cafeteria that I was familiar with growing up. I started a new school year and a new school at the beginning of seventh grade. And I remember that very first lunch, wandering with my plastic tray and a slice of square pizza and tater tots and applesauce, up and down the rows, lost, through no fault of my own, I was awkward and shy and would have been content to find an empty table off in the corner to eat alone and to eat there for the rest of the year just that way. Most of the tables that I walked by let it be known that I was not welcome, either verbally or non verbally. And then I heard my name Hey, hey, Chris. And I looked over, and there was this fellow beckoning me over to his table to sit down next to him and eat. And sitting there, I think maybe I caught just a small glimpse of what it must feel like, the liberation that's contained in an authentic welcome to one who feels so lost, whether by his own fault or not. God will not stop searching for those of us who find ourselves cold and lonely on a hillside because of what we have done, and for those of us who still imagine ourselves righteous, who cannot imagine we are lost at all. God is in the business of searching and finding all of us, now and forever. May it be so. Amen.